So he's given us 10 acres between two main motorways. The HS2 development is going to be built 200 metres away from us and Birmingham Airport circle their planes at the airport. So we've worked out 790,000 people will see it per week. Welcome, everybody. This is Simon Gilbo with Inspired. And uh, there's so much bad news and grim stuff that we get bombarded with every day. And we just want to counteract that with fantastic news of stirring and inspiring faith. And so I'm thrilled that this week we've got an old mate called Richard Gamble. Hi, Richard. Hello there. Richard, in terms of our connections, we, we're trying to work out how long we haven't seen each other in flesh. It's over 15 years since your brother's wedding. Uh, but your wife, Sarah, is also a sister to Libby. And Libby was out there in Burundi with us. And my wife, Lizzie, was in your church all those years ago. So that's kind of that's right, uh, yeah. all our different connections. But uh, listen, Richard, you are your massive 17-year journey and project that we want to sort of focus on this week is the eternal wall of answered prayer. But before we get there, why don't you just give us a bit of context to that what what has come later in terms of your faith journey in your childhood so go for it yeah sure so background is not brought up with christian parents 11 years old um i overheard them talking uh that my mum may have cancer and so i went into my bedroom prayed for my mom uh as best as i knew how and uh just felt the presence of God in the room with mm. me and God telling me it's going to be okay, which it was. And so from that point at 11, always believed God existed. Right. But it was another nine years until somebody shared the gospel with me um, at the age of 20. And that was a, it was, that was a no-brainer for me at that point. I was like, right, yeah, that's what I need to do. So an impersonal deity till 20, and then you were just, you were one of those people, just ripe fruit so easily sort of just popped off the tree. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't take any encouragement whatsoever. It was just like, this is what you've got to do. And I was like, right, great, okay. And I think that's been quite a driving force for me, mm-hmm. that I needed to wait nine years till somebody told me that. And were you at student university then? Was there a big change in your life? Uh, yeah, it was a massive change. Um, yeah, I'd been, I'd been. Uh, I mean, one of one of the guys at university described me as the demon of the demons. So. Oh, really? <laughs> but um, yeah, so massive life change. You know, heavy, heavy gambler, heavy drinker, and all of that, all of that sort of shenanigans. You're a heavy gambler. Are you having a laugh? Is that was that because you had to live up to your name? Uh, well, it was. It started because uh, I had to do um, an economics dissertation, and having the name Gamble and the initials RS obviously spells gamblers. And one of the <laughs> one of the titles that we could do on our dissertation was gambling, uh, and and so I thought that would be quite funny on the front page, gambling by gamblers. Yes. Uh, I think that cost me a first that humour, <laughs> but um, that sort of dragged me into into the world of. Uh, of betting on horses and the like. Which is far from uh, a funny matter, is it? No, well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, somebody said to me many years ago, if you look at the meanderings of your life, you can see the direction that God is going to take you on. And mm-hmm. 
what was really helpful of that period of my life was then that equipped me when I became a, a chaplain for Leicester City Football Club to really help a number of players who were struggling with gambling, which is quite mm, epidemic in professional sports. So it is it, it, it is fascinating where you look at all those twists and turns and those little things. I don't think with God any of that is lost. It can all be it can all be used down the down the road. Yeah. So gambling, any any other big problem you had to sort of break free from? Uh, well, alcoholism, I, I didn't particularly have to break through that. That just lifted off me. Wow. Um, you know, I was I was pretty heavily into it and, uh, you know, getting up in the morning and, and buying alcohol and drinking through the day. But basically the moment that I gave my life to Christ, just the desire for that went. Wow. The yeah, just just went. So for me, I can I can have a drink now. I have no desire to get drunk whatsoever. Um, whereas the gambling was a different thing. That I remember, I remember going to somebody and saying, "Hey, how do I?" I said, "Is gambling wrong?" And he said, "Oh, you'll have to work that one out for yourself," which was interesting and a bit mm. wise, really. And I remember going. I mean, this is as a Christian for a few months, going into bookies and putting my bets on. And um, I remember as I was watching this horse race going, oh, if God wants this horse to win, it'll win. And if he doesn't, it won't. And it just took all the joy out of out of that sort of dynamism of picking the right horse. Mm. And, um, and that, that's how I sort of got out of that, really. Right. So you mentioned the, the Leicester chaplaincy. Um, what was the journey to that? Yeah, that was uh, – well, it was um, – I remember going to a football game where Leicester got relegated, and it was like a, it was like a funeral. Mm. And uh, I remember getting home, and I was so grumpy and so fed up, and I was praying and saying, "God, this is rubbish. I'm letting my emotions be uh, dictated to by eleven men kicking a bag of wind around a pitch." Mm-hmm. And uh, I just felt God speak clearly to me and said. He said, I've given you this passion for a purpose. And then the following day, I got an email from the then chaplain saying that he was stepping down and did I know anybody who would want to take his place? And I I knew that was for me. And it was a very, very tough job because you're going into a machoistic environment. You know, frankly, most people don't want you there. Mm-hmm. Because they're very, it's a very performance-based culture, and unless they can see a benefit of you being there, then they don't want you there. Mm-hmm. Um, but despite all of that, you know, you're there to provide sort of pastoral care and to look after effectively young men who are who have the same sort of struggles that everyone else has in life. I'm just wondering, time-wise, uh, family friends, the Kings, um, so. And Andy King, did you were you with him? He was a bit of a legend at the club. Yeah, Kingy Kingy was 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 there while I was at the club. Yeah, and and uh, but obviously you sort of you know what you talk about with people and how you operate is all is all confidential. Mm, crucial. You know, I think it's I think that's that's really important in the process. And there are some players that you connect with and. And some players that you don't, and that's fine. And um, you know, I think 
Andy King for me is a great example of somebody who really got every ounce out of his career amazing Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't particularly spend much time with him and there were other players that I sort of gravitated a bit a bit more to and I'm guessing you missed out but you had you stepped uh, out of the scene by the time their glory year was it 2016 they won the championship yeah that's that's uh that is my claim to fame I was there when they were rubbish Um, (laughs) shame (laughs) I'm really glad that I wasn't there I genuinely I'm really glad I think it would have utterly dominated me right and and it was dominating enough as it was but I basically uh one day went into the into the canteen uh where the players eat and I was sat there and I really felt God speak to me clearly and say is this what you I mean for me this is the dream job Mm. you know serving uh serving the club I love for the God that I adored Mm. And, and uh but I felt I felt Jesus speak to me and say, Is this what you want to do? Or do you want to change the world? And I thought, well, do you know what? I want to change the world. That sounds really good. Yes. And uh so I felt and say, Well, you need to let this go. And so the next the next week I'd been praying during the week and I said and I said, God, if you want me to give this up, I'll do it for you. But just can you make it obvious as I go into the into the uh training ground today and I turned up to the training ground and it was empty because they'd cancelled training and nobody had told me that's a little bit too obvious for my liking but okay message understood and and really then I I then sort of uh, developed sports chaplaincy and headed up that and then really uh, tried to develop that globally then one day I just felt God say this sort of idea of eternal wall that had been in my heart for 17 years uh, or has been in my half 17 years now uh, that it was about 10 years at that point I just felt God say right it's time to time to start this now right well listen let's get into the thick of that then because it, it, it's interesting I remember you well I suppose people near you would say you know you've just been banging on about this eternal war for ages and in my mind I just pictured this you, you had an idea of building this massive fact in my mind it was like there's going to be this red brick wall and it it was hard to visualize. It didn't really make sense. So come on, explain yeah. it to us. What, what is this eternal wall of answered prayer? So the, the concept is to build a national landmark that mm-hmm. provokes a conversation about prayer and communicates to the nation that Jesus is alive, that he listens and he answers. And so We've been on this massive journey. We've run a global competition to get it designed. We've got planning permission. And basically, the structure itself is a giant Mobius strip. So it's called a wall, but you can't, it, it's not a wall that divides. You can be either be on the inside, you can't be on the inside or outside of it because it only has one side. It's made of a million bricks. It's about the size of a football pitch and towers about 50 metres wow. into the skyline. So you can sort of fit Winchester Cathedral underneath it. Wow. But the thing is you can point your phone at any one of the bricks and your phone will light up and it will tell you a story of answered prayer. So you can arrive at the site. You might want to type in whatever storm of life you're in mm-hmm. and the app will guide you around the monument and show you the bricks that relate to the storm of life that you're in. So maybe you've got a disease 
and you can find out people who've had that disease and they've prayed and find out what happened. You might be lonely. You may be in debt. Whatever the situation is, you can find people who've been in the same situation and see how God has helped them. Some of those answers are big, what I would call Hollywood yeses. Mm-hmm. But some of some of them are times where people haven't had the answer. Most of them are, you know, times where they haven't had the answer that they wanted or expected. But you read their journey and find out how they've discovered a greater depth of God in their relationship for which they'd never, never change. And I think that'll be the surprise for people to, when they come because people often think that this is a bit of a triumphal or prosperity gospel or a, you know, name it and claim it. But the reality is I believe God is more interested in our journey mm-hmm. towards the point of answered prayer than he is the answer prayer itself. I believe God's more interested in how he's developing me and, and our team and all our volunteers than actually eternal wall itself. Mate, it sounds absolutely superb. I'm still, you talked about this Mobius shape. I'm just, I know people be wanting to sort of picture it. And I, I'm picturing, you know, those sort of, I don't know, sort of a flag in the wind type thing and a, a ribbon, a ribbon in the wind, but one that's completely attached in, in a sort of loop. With, Can you describe it any better than that? Yeah, if you if you took a a piece of paper and, you know, a long piece of paper and connected it to make a circle, but before you connect it, just twist it and then attach it. That is a Mobius strip. Okay. And then if you run your finger along the side of the Mobius strip, you basically keep going on and on and on because you 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 cover both sides of it, as it were. And that sort of infinity aspect of it, we believe, represents the, the fact that God is always there mm. and always listening. Fantastic. Okay, so where you know where does this vision come from? You just dream about it in the night, or what? yeah, no, I, I mean, I know, I know, all of this sounds a bit odd anyway, Simon. It's probably going to get a bit odder now, but I, I felt seventeen years ago that I wanted people to think about Jesus during Easter, and mm-hmm. so I just felt God nudge me to carry a cross around Leicestershire, and. I wasn't doing anything other than just walking with a cross. And it was just to provoke a reaction, really. I suppose you'd describe it as performance art now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, interestingly, anecdotally, then I started to hear of loads of different conversations that were taking place of people going, well, what was that about? And talking about it in, the, in their workplace. And even my, my father, who's not a Christian, was in a governmental meeting and he right. said in the middle of it, this woman said, I saw the weirdest thing today. There's a bloke in a suit carrying a cross. Mm. And my dad said, well, you know, that was my son. And then shared the gospel with everybody in the room. And so I knew that this sort of taking a physical representation outside of the walls of the four walls of the church, is there's something impactful about that and so as I was walking around and and starting to gather gather a sense of momentum um I just prayed and this this idea flashed through my brain Mm. um and I didn't exactly know what it was going to look like but the idea was there and I and I knew that was God and 
It's really been a journey, Simon, of naivety, really. I, I, I'm i the most impractical guy you could ever find. So building a, a, a monument that pushes the boundaries of engineering, you know, is is ridiculous in that respect. But it's been an incredible journey where God has just brought the right people to me at the right time to help us achieve it. Yeah, I th- I think I, I know, I know, I genuinely respect you and uh and and love the concept of being largely misunderstood or or, or, or <laughs> pr- provoking just confusion or or mystification in people for seventeen years and just persevering with a God given vision. So, what has this seventeen year journey so far? What's it taught you? Well, definitely patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I I think understanding God's timing. Um, and not pressing ahead and pushing too far and mm-hmm. too fast. The biggest lesson, I think, there's a scripture in Proverbs where it says, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Mm-hmm. And if you put your hope, or I've I've fallen for the trick, I've gone, once I do this, it's going to take off, and then it doesn't. And then you go, well, once I've got this, it'll take off, and then it doesn't. And And that is not good for the heart. Mm. And what I've learned is I am utterly, utterly convinced that God is in this. We've seen so much favour. It's been incredible. But in terms of the timing and the pace, I just have to put my hope in him. There's a a, a thing called the Stockdale Paradox, which is about a, a major in the Vietnam War who was captured. And he he suffered the worst in in prison and was tortured and he survived because in his head he was saying one day i will be rescued mm-hmm. whereas a number of the prisoners who were like oh i'll be rescued by this time or, or i'll be rescued by this time or i've heard this rumor this is going to happen then i'll be rescued they were the ones that didn't survive because they were totally they were continually deferring their hope Hey folks, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm loving the response we're getting from across the world. It's, it's just wonderful to see how encouraging and inspiring it is being and hitting the spot. Listen, if you are being blessed by it, I'd love it. Basically, this happens under the auspices of our ministry, Great Lakes Outreach, which works in the poorest and the hungriest country in the world, which is Burundi. We're having an incredible impact in the toughest of circumstances. We want to carry on supporting those local folks doing a great job. So if you wanted to, greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired you could make a donation there i'd so appreciate it also it's word of mouth isn't it so gossip this these podcasts to other people get them to subscribe give us a great review absolutely wonderful so grateful to you so that's greatlakesoutreach.org forward slash inspired if you want to do a monthly a couple of quid a month or or a one-off donation we'd be incredibly grateful all right now let's get back to the podcast So you've had to hang on in there. Um, any any times you wanted to give up? No, no, I don't. I don't. You know, somebody said to me once, "How what's kept you going?" And my answer is really simple: lack of options. <laughs> Just having you to know, hang, I, hang on in there. Yeah, God's told me to do it. Mm. So until He tells me to do something else. Giving up is just not an option. There are times when I'm overwhelmed by the the scale of it. You know, we have a lot of mountains in front of us 
to achieve this, but I have a whole lot of more mountains that are now behind me. And, and it's just trying to take it one chunk at a time. So I've never doubted that God's in it. I've never doubted that I have a role to play in it. I think there are times I doubt whether I'll see it to the end, but that's not my call. Hmm. So, I mean, I know from my journey, there are key times where I saw God's hand and therefore when horrific sucker punches come, yeah. it is in a sense an irrelevance because you know that you know that the Lord has called. So go on, share us several of those testimonies uh, that will inspire faith for, for all of us. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest one is the land, really. We, I presented in Parliament and um, as I'm presenting to these MPs and people from the House of Lords, I just felt this sort of gnarly whisper in my ear going, you know, this is a fantasy. You've got <laughs> no money and you've got no land. And um, I went to, my wife and I went to the States to pray for the land. I went to a conference. Nobody knew who we were or what we were doing. And this lady came up and said, I've got a word of God for you. And it is, he has some heavenly land prepared for you. Which is and we have a team of people that are praying for this project all the time. So I phone them up and I go, hey, this is really cool. This is what God has said. And this one lady, Sue, said, well, if God's told us he's got some land prepared, I'm just going to ask him where it is. <laughs> she was like, that'll yeah. save us a lot of time, won't it? And I was like, yeah, I think it would too. And I sort of giggled a bit, really. But a few days later, she sent through a, a Google map with a circle on it saying, this is the land. Wow. Uh, or the person who owns it is highly significant for the project. And what she didn't know was the person who owned that land had emailed me just a few days earlier. What? To ask, yeah, it gets better. And then, we, and then we meet up, me and this guy, and he's like, typical poker face businessman i'm sure you've met a few over the years and i'm pitching my heart out and no idea whether he likes it or not and then at the end he basically told me that um you know i i had this vision seven 17 years ago but he then tells me that 17 and a half years ago he'd set up a trust fund to build a national landmark about jesus no oh that is wild (laughs) So he then says, right, well, I'm going to go away and pray about it. I was in my heart thinking that it's obvious, mate, just crack on, you know. But he went away and prayed about it. I was really careful. I didn't want to tell him about the piece of land that was circled because I didn't want to manipulate him in any way. Mm -hmm. And so he came back and he said, yeah, I've decided to give you some land. Well, he gave me a different piece of land. Um. And my my intercessor was like, are you sure this is the right land, Rich? I was like, look, we've just been given a piece of land. Let's celebrate. Let's have it, you know. But after a few months of working on that land, we found that we couldn't do it. And so then he gave us another piece of land. And then that didn't work. And then he paid his architect to look at all his land in the Midlands and give us the best piece which was, of course, the piece that the woman had circled two years previously. Wow. Uh, just on yeah. that woman, just on that woman, yeah. I mean, did you know her? Was she, I mean, you get these, you get prophecy well-wielded as a, as a spiritual gift and you get yeah. so many nutters in the mix. Did you know yeah. her? Has she had a track record? I find that fascinating. 
no, not at all. I bumped into her at a conference. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife will tell you, I never speak to people at conferences. I'm just <laughs> not that sociable. But I just, her and her husband were there. And I said, oh, hello, and told them what I was doing. And they were like, that's amazing. And we sort of developed a friendship from there, from there on in. And um, she has really grown over the last seven years into the, the role of sort of heading up our, our intercession team now. And, uh, yeah, she's phenomenal. God bless her. I mean, that is, it's quite a bold thing for her to sort of put forward to you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And she can, you know, and she continued to be bold while I was looking at other pieces of, pieces of land as well, you know. So for me, and I think you made a really good point, when you get those really difficult times, you hang on to those stories. Absolutely. And they give you the faith to go on, which is part of the principle of what we're doing with Eternal War. Another one then is, um, and this is a this is a much quicker answer to prayer, I was in a meeting with advisors with an investor who was looking to cover all our running costs for three years, which is amazing, mm-hmm. so that all the money goes into Eternal Wall directly without any percentage taken out. Yeah. And um, he said, oh, you need a construction project manager. And then he said how much that person would cost. And I'm thinking, well, we haven't got the budget for that. And then we started talking about that person being a volunteer, but the problem is they don't have the, you know, they're they're unlikely to be up to date with all the legal situations. And then I said, well, listen, I want them to be a Christian. And they just burst, him and his advisors just like burst out laughing in the meeting. And they were like, Rich, you're looking for a needle in a haystack anyway. If you want them to be a Christian, it's a yellow needle in a haystack. And and I just said to them there and then, I said, look, I've been doing this for seven years now. And every time we hit a block, I just pray. And so I just prayed there in the meeting. They carried on talking. I pretended I was concentrating, but inside I'm just praying to God, please mm-hmm. help with this one. 30 minutes later, a man is driving in his car. He turns on the radio and he hears a news report about eternal war and he feels the Holy Spirit say, you need to get involved. He is the wow. senior construction project manager building the Commonwealth Games Stadium just a few miles up the road from where we're building. Wow. And if that's not amazing enough, he emails his bosses and says, these guys haven't got any money, but I want to help them. And they agree to let him and an assistant work a day a week for free for us. Oh, man. Goosebump moment, people. I can feel it. I mean, it's so good. Oh, praise God. And, of course, you have those moments, and they are incredible when they happen. Yes. But within that, then you just have weeks and months where you just feels like you're going through treacle. Mm. And you and you get grief and stick, and you have to just go back to those. And one of the things that we've done in our office Anyone who joins us, we give them a book and we say, you are part of history. We are going to make history in this nation and you are going to see things that you're going to want to remember and tell your grandchildren about. So everyone has their book and they write down all the miracles and all the incredible things that happen Mm. um, so that we can pass it on for generations. Oh, Rich, you know, I, I can probably relate more than most in your journey because... 
I have been, I have done a 17 year building project myself oh, and, we, and it is a, a conference center. It's called the Keynes Conference Center and it's number one on TripAdvisor for hotels in Burundi, but it has been such a headache. And yeah. uh, I mean, it's functional, it's operating, but then uh, we had a second phase, which is why the second phase has taken another 10 years and we're hoping to complete by the end of this year. So we might beat you to completion. Um, it's probably <laughs> a lower, well. it's probably a lower budget as in, um, Ours is probably in a five million dollar project, but um, okay. lots of times we're just hanging on in there, saying, "Lord, have we heard you right?" Yes, we have, and it's yeah. empowered people to get jobs. It's brought inspiration. We've had literally nation shaping meetings during the crisis uh, time okay. with a coup going on. So there's a battle going on, isn't it? It's contested yeah. work. Yes, yeah, and I think if you don't get opposite, I think there are times when it's quiet on the opposition, and that's when I go, hmm, am I doing something wrong? I get more worried when I haven't got opposition than when I have to. Yeah, yeah, and I'm Not sure I like it when it does come, but yeah. you know. And I, I, I can predict or looking back, guess that when you had those stunning answers to prayer that God was so clear, almost immediately there were some humding of challenges that that were yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That seems to be the pattern, doesn't it? Or mm -hmm. we we tend to, I mean, the planning was incredible because, you know, we, we live in a country where if you have a cross, you can get sacked from your job if you wear a cross. So to build, you know, this massive landmark that is unashamedly Christian, yeah, I think pretty much every Christian leader in the country was like, yeah, you'll never get planning. That's when it's going to die. Yeah, and had I when I first met with the planners, had I got done a vote at that point, we'd have lost fourteen nil. Mm -hmm. And then over a period of three months, you know, we we used the best consultants we could find, and and um, but there was a moment in the planning meeting, and there was one guy who was pushing the multi faith agenda. Yeah, no doubt. And I was like, no, this is this is this will be Christian. And then this other woman then just did this statement which was weird and confused and accused me of being the devil and all this sort of stuff. Hmm. But what she did was turn the room. And so at the end of it, the multi-faith guy turned to the chairman and said, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to uh, propose a vote of recommendation for this project. Wow. And everybody voted for it. So it's, it's just been... Um, Thank you, Jezebel. Yeah, it's mm. been a real roller coaster of of emotions, but we we just dig deep. We just keep going. Yeah, um, I, I like numbers, so I'm thinking: um, how many people are you anticipating seeing it each year? Uh, what's the cost? And I'm fascinated: how much land did that guy give you, or did you buy it? Uh, no, he gave us a piece of, I mean, this is the naivety. When I first started, I thought if I can raise 20,000, I'll be able to buy a piece <laughs> of land. <laughs> if ever you wanted evidence of me not know what I'm doing, the land was is worth £1.7 million and he wow. gave it to us. So he's given us 10 acres between the M6 and the M42, two main motorways, uh, the HS2 development, which is a high-speed train, is going to be built 200 metres uh, away from us. So just as that train slows down into Birmingham, it'll go past Eternal Wall and wow. Birmingham Airport circle their planes before they land into the, into the airport. So we've worked out 
790,000 people will see it per week. Yeah. But we also believe it's going to be a global thing that millions of people will be able to access all those stories of answered prayer online. It is really big, Simon. And I believe that somebody, I mean, we've just done it now, haven't we? I've shared some stories of some testimonies and, and your listeners will have a rise of faith. Yes. Now, if we can do that with a million stories in the nation for generations, remember, just imagine the impact this is going to have. It's going to be absolutely huge. Come on. And uh, yeah, oh, loving it. And uh, did I read that you guesstimate maybe 300,000 visitors a year? Yeah, that's what we're looking at. Three three to 400,000 visitors will be creating sort of educational elements so we're trying to get schools and colleges to come along another blessing of god is that nobody's applied for planning permission on on this sort of portion of land but at the same time that we had our planning permission uh then a surf park has put in for planning permission right next to us which is going to drive loads of people to the area so Okay, so it's a positive thing, not a negative thing. Yeah, I think it's really good. Okay, I mean, well, I never dreamed that yeah. I would be building something in between two motorways with the crashing of waves in the background. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a really, it's a really great thing because it's just going to drive more people to the site. Okay, because actually, when you were saying that initially, I was going because in Burundi, our our King's Conference Centre was there's going to be a nightclub next to us, which would have absolutely oh. sunk us. Yeah. But in the end, the guy said, "I'm surrounded by Christians on three sides. Whoever lobs." us money and in 90 90 uh we needed 90 grand in in a week and we prayed and fasted and boom 90 grand came in so that was that was our story the lord is in control that's for sure now listen you told me you just uh, got hammering from the bbc you're on live television and uh so you you've definitely got opposition to this it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that this would be extremely contested by a very sort of anti Christian uh, secular media. So tell us a bit about the opposition you faced. I mean, you get the opposition in terms of, you know, the mainstream media. Some have been quite open in covering it, which has been terrific. But but you just get the awkwardness when you talk about Jesus live on air. Mm -hmm. But but we've had more opposition from the church than ever. Really? Yeah. Disappointing. Go on, why? Well, I think... I mean, it's interesting. I spoke to somebody the other day and he said, he said, oh, who are your Sambalats? And and it's sort of like, we all know that, you know, when Nehemiah built, the opposition was, was within. Yeah. And yet, you know, there are people that, that try and oppose from within and you do, I can't quite get my head around it really. But, I mean, the, the major problem I think people have with it is the cost. You know, we're talking the, the the Mobius strip is going to cost eight point nine million mm-hmm. um, pounds. Yeah, eight point nine million pounds. Yeah, my argument to that is is multi leveled. One, you know, if this is not of God, then ten pounds is too much to spend on it. Um, mm-hmm. Two, basically, we're going to generate about two million pounds a year from running from running the site once we're operation, and then all that money will be fed back into Christian charities and good causes. Mm-hmm. And we're also, for every brick that we're putting in this monument, we're going to put another brick into social housing. Mm-hmm. So, so it will actually create more money than it costs. And also I think it's a it's a misunderstanding of who God is. 
because he's unlimited in what he has. So if he puts, um, you know, 500,000 plans into your into your um, project, it doesn't mean that he hasn't got the money to put it elsewhere as well, you know, and, Absolutely. and it's, not, it's not either or. So, so we're getting we're getting opposition from from that part. Um, I have been stopped speaking at some churches because it's not multi faith, which staggers me. Mm. Um, but you know, and, and obviously you get the slander and the accusations personally. But the great thing for me is Simon. There's a whole book about building a wall. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I've got a template, and, yeah. and Nehemiah's great, isn't it? In five twenty, he says, um, "Yeah, I haven't got time to talk to you. I'm building a wall." Yeah, and and it, you know, I've got to be honest. It really hurts. It really hurts, and mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm I haven't got you know a, a thick skin, but I just have to carry on doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. Um, from the very first podcast, so when I launched this, the whole idea was the chance to tell glory stories and promote different people, and from and ministries and and point people to Jesus. And from the get go, we got a massive response. So it was uh, my one of my best mates, Ed Walker, and his. Don't know if you yeah, know, with Ed, brilliant. So his charity, yeah. um, uh, Hope Into Action, and out of that podcast, I think. I'd be plucking numbers out of the air, but it, uh, there was one 400,000 uh, pledge for investment. I think three houses, hopefully, directly will have come out of that. We're doing a house in Bath wow. uh, where we are coming out of that. So I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be some, uh, well, I mean, it's the widow's might or whoever's minted, uh, the, yeah. the people listening right now that totally get it. You know, you've, you've explained it so clearly. So, you know, how can people get involved? And if there's someone out there that wants to write a five or six figure check, come on, bring it on because this is so beautiful. And this is for generations to come, isn't it? I mean, yeah. and people will be driving, they'll be on the train, they'll be on the plane, they'll see it, something on their spirit will stir. And uh, we're going to see so many people come to faith in and through this and have their faith built up. So yeah, go on. How can we get involved? So, so really simply uh, is going to the website eternalwall.org.uk and, and you can connect with us there, donate there. And, you know, I'm really looking for that, for those people who, as you described, your heart leaps, you get it, and just encourage you to be part of it. And whether that's a small donation or a six-figure donation, both are just as good because... You know, we need to show to people that the whole church is behind this. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's another really important part where I ask for people's help, which is, you know, send us your stories. And yeah. those stories can be up to 500 words. They can be video. They can be audio. We will we will have um, on this on the eternal wall. Uh, it will be sectioned, it can be sectioned by geography. So it means I've got a section of that wall for, for Derby and Newcastle. I've got a section of that wall for Burundi and Australia mm-hmm. and America and South Africa. And I can't build that part of the wall. It's not my job. Yeah, I'm trying to put all of this in place, but it's not my job to build that part of the wall. And just as Nehemiah got everybody to build their own sections, that's really what we're calling on people to do. Can you 
can you build it? Can you can you do your bit for your part in history? And that might be sending in a story, or it might be donating, or it might be both, or it might be volunteering some of your skills. You know, I, I, I'm really looking forward, Simon, to having a, a plaque somewhere in the visitor centre that says, you know, this is a million, a million people have sent in their stories. Yeah. You know, 200,000 people have donated, you know, 5,000 people have volunteered, yeah. you know, and one God has answered. Amen. Yeah. Well, one brick's mine. I've already, I've submitted one. And Good man. Uh, I will definitely help you build uh, the Burundi section. But the thing is, the Burundi section might dominate because there's so, so many answered prayer. We, well, <laughs> that, that's where it becomes a piece of art though, Simon. The, you know, this is a piece of art. It will be interesting to see what the stories of answered prayer are. You know, what are people praying in this generation and how do those stories differ from what people have prayed for in previous generations because we're also collecting up the historical stories from you know read one just this week about uh, a, a guy who prayed for somebody who was raised from the dead in in the northeast of scotland in 550 ad mm-hmm. you know that will be on the eternal wall this is a way for us to preserve the christian stories the things that God has done in our nations and make sure that we can pass them on. Love it. Listen, Richard, uh, any any last words, any last uh, pearls of wisdom, any prayer requests, just uh, the floor is yours. Go for it. Well, thank you. I I just like to, I just like to pray for your listeners. Um, I, I hope you've been inspired by what you've heard today. I obviously hope you can be involved, but I just want to pray for the dreamers. Mm-hmm. If, if I may, Simon. So, Father, I just want to thank you that in different times of our life, you, you pop in dreams and burdens and ideas. And I just want to pray for those that have listened this morning. And as they've heard both Simon and I talking of dreams that have been over 17 years, Father God, that you would please just bring life to those dreams that you've given them um, and and encourage them and strengthen them to take the next step that's needed yeah. to fulfill what you've purposed. Father God, I pray that you would just bring back to life those dreams. And for those people who are in the middle of it and you know, probably I can, I understand what it's like being in that treacle sometimes and not getting the backing that you want from the people that you think should back you. Lord Jesus, I pray today that you would send them encouragement that would steal them and strengthen them for the journey ahead. Pray your blessing on everyone listening. Mm. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray back on you. Uh, Lord, we are so excited and inspired listening to Richard's story and his team. And we pray that you'd open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that that wall will be built as soon as possible without any kind of uh, further obstacles coming that way. Would you open all the doors they need and keep them all close to your heart? And we pray in faith that this eternal wall of answered prayer will have a massive impact in the coming years, decades into the next century, all for your glory, for the glory of the risen King Jesus and all God's people said at home, 
Amen. Amen. Oh, what a chaffing joy. Uh, Richard, it's been superb, mate. And uh, I hope that there'll be a straight direct correlation impact from when we air this. So guys, eternalwool.org.uk. Go and check it out. Look at it, visualize it, pray for it. If you can donate, donate to it. And uh, yeah, I don't know when I'm next to you in the flesh, Richard, but I look forward to it, brother. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much, Simon. Wonderful. Okay, folks. Well, it's hopefully it's done what it says on the tin, inspired. I just want to, in closing, want to thank my fantastic teammates. So that's uh, Adam Thomas Steer, who does the editing, and Mike Sanderman, who does the mixing. Next week, we'll have another fantastic guest. I love the diversity of what we're covering, the richness of the body of Christ in all sorts of different spheres. So do tune in again. We'll see you next week. Toodaloo.